Hey everyone, welcome to Emmanuel Fellowship's podcast. This is Pastor Trent, the founding pastor of Emmanuel Fellowship, a church in South Minneapolis that exists to serve our city and to live for God's glory. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We pray that this message encourages you to follow Jesus and to see his presence and power everywhere in your life. For everything, there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to tear, and a time to sow. A time to keep silence. A time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Ecclesiastes verses 1 through 11. I come to you this morning, church, and whoever else is watching in great sadness and anger and some measure of fear and pain this morning. I have not been sleeping well, as perhaps maybe many of you have not been sleeping well. And as I lay awake in the hours of the early morning, night after night, thinking about our city, praying for what is going on around us, I have been drawn to the imagery of dawn. That moment when light meets darkness. When it's neither night and it's neither day, but somehow... Life hangs in the balance. And my prayer has been that dawn is the metaphor that captures the moment we are in. A moment after which comes the light of day. Proverbs says that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. And though we are living in dark moments, dark moments. We are seeing the ugly fruit of racism long held in our city and in our country. We are seeing an evil that loves to remain hidden but now has become visible even in the night. Some of you are scared. Others of you are hurting. Many of you are numb and weighted, and a a large number have been asking in anger, what can I do? What should I do? 
Which is to say, in another way, what the writer of Ecclesiastes prompts us with. What time is it? What is the season that we are in? And, and to answer that question, church, we must continue to look to Jesus. This is not the time to throw off all the things that we've been considering in our series, The Blueprint, about learning Christ. But this is the time to look to Christ and to learn from Christ. Because the heart of the passage that I was going to preach today is very timely for the moment, even though I am going to preach Ecclesiastes. This is Ephesians 5, verse 8. Where Paul says, You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Take no part of unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Take no part and unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead that Christ may shine on you. If there's any doubt in your mind about what it means to learn Jesus, if there's any doubt in your mind what it means to imitate God, right? This is, this is what the passage says in the beginning. To imitate God is to walk as his beloved children, right? To walk in love is what it commands us as Christ gave himself up for us. If there's any confusion about what it means to walk in love, what it means to imitate God, it means to expose darkness. It means to expose darkness now and always. Christians are meant to walk in the light and to expose the darkness of injustice around them. So what time is it, church? For now, it's the time to continue to meet tangible needs. For now, it's the time to continue to be present within our community. But I would urge you as your pastor this morning towards three things. Three things that mark this moment. Now is a time of prayer. Now is a time of prayer. Jesus, you see, whom we are continually learning how to live for and to obey all that he's commanded the best that we can, he was a man of prayer. Right? He was the most popular leader of his day. He was always sought after and continually demanded upon, but, but he pulled away constantly to pray. He was found in lonely places seeking the Father. He was found in public places praying for the people. He was inviting others into the ear with his Father. He was the Word made flesh and he embodied the language of prayer that is present throughout so much of the scriptures. And so in crucial moments like this, we need prayer because we need to receive the gifts of both expression and direction. The human heart needs to be expressed. And it's getting expressed in all sorts of ways right now. We need expression before someone who promises to hear. We need the freedom to feel before an almighty God. And we have it. Because if we don't have the freedom to feel before God and others, we will not, we'll be mastered by those feelings. It is not as if we can suppress those feelings and think they will go away, but we need to feel them before God and others so that they do not control us. To suppress feelings is to be oppressed by them. 
There's nothing you can throw at God in these moments that he cannot handle. And the Psalms and the prophets are proof that whether you don't know what to say with God or whether you would rather not repeat what you just said to God, that the living God is able to take your expression, your prayers, to hear them and even to heal you in the midst of the process. There is no safer place to be. There is no better listener than him. Right? During this time, it's, it's normal to feel a variety of different responses, right? These events come in waves of emotion, sometimes with anger, sometimes with numbness, sometimes with fear and sadness and pain. And, and in prayer, we get the opportunity to express desire for justice upward. But not only does prayer provide us with expression. God wants in these moments for us to hear direction. Prayer is the means by which our heart comes into contact with the very heart of God, where we learn from him and we listen to what he cares about, what matters to him. Prayer is the way in which we get very clear direction about what does the Lord desire us to do. And in all the confusion, we need direction. His presence in moments of prayer starts to pervade the problems and issues of our life and our society in a way that helps us navigate how to go forward. In order for you to stay aligned with the movement of God, you have to remain in conversation with God. You need prayer. What will it take for you to become a person of prayer? What will it take for you to learn from Jesus and not be given to self-reliance, but be given to dependence upon the living God? What will it take for you to begin to cry out tears of lament to our God that justice would be had? What will it take for you to seek the Lord such that the ground of your soul and the ground of our culture might be broken up such that new living things could grow? things of righteousness and things of peace. Now is a time for prayer. And if the present darkness and the coming dawn is a call for us upward, then we need the release, we need the safety and the honesty that can come from raw prayer. We need to call for the living God to respond in ways that are greater and far beyond what we could imagine. Now is the time for prayer. And now is the time for protest. Yes, now is the time for protest, church. During the civil rights movement of the 60s, there were many Christian leaders who disdained the approach of Dr. King and others. They saw his action as hasty. They pressured him to remain patient. But these leaders, still living, some of them, have even gathered and descended upon our city because of the, the immensity of the moment at which we are in. They have come here to be present, come here to encourage, come here to grieve themselves. And these men have not invented new practices, but they have taken their direction from the power and the person of Jesus himself. Because one of the functions of a prophet like Christ 
was to protest the injustices that he saw. Let me introduce you to Jesus, the protester, a man who traveled from city to city, calling out things that were evil and things that were good, a man who rallied crowds and unsettled authorities, the God-man who stood up to the man of his day. Now is the time for protest because our Lord Jesus was a man of protest. Jesus of Nazareth, as God in the flesh, was a man of color who stood up to unrighteousness. He spoke out against the sinful practices and procedures within his society. His power was noticeable to all. He was unswayed by the crowds. He was connected to heaven in a way in which he was incredibly earthly good driven. He had challenge and change upon his heart constantly. And his integrity, the integrity of his life, brought the authorities to their knees. In fear of riots, they killed him. In fear of riots, they killed our Lord. Afraid of the damage that righteousness would do to their dysfunction, they took him. They beat him. They crucified him. They mocked him. In the courts of their injustice, somehow in God's divine wisdom, justice for all who believe was served such that Jesus satisfied a divine wrath against us and our sin. But but that does not mean that justice is relegated to the spiritual plane, but that justice is meant to be played out in the physical world around us as the kingdom of God moves forward and as the church stands for what is good. Now is the time for protest. And in this moment, we must learn Jesus of his emotional life, his fight for justice, his experience as a man who suffered death at the hands of a corrupt system. The heart of sin is the audacity to take making the rules into your own hands. The heart of sin is the pride that says consequences will not come for me. And what is protest? It is calling for consequences. It is calling for justice for come, to come. It is shining light to expose darkness. It is the cry for justice because what we see does not match God's design. The blueprint was something other than this. So how will you be a protester? Christian, how will you be a protester? Admittedly, it will look very different for each one of you within our church and perhaps each of you listening beyond. Let's not try and peg what the main and only response of protest is. But for some of you, it's going to mean active protesting within our city right now. For others of you, it's going to mean supplying resources and commenting online. For others of you, it's going to mean speaking to a neighbor or a family member and defending a position. For others of you, it's going to look completely different. But how will you stand for justice today? You can speak where others can't. Your voice can be heard where others can't. Your resources can be offered where others can't. You, Christian, 
are called to protest against darkness, exposing its evil and shining the light of Christ. So church, we should make calls. We should vote with conviction. We should speak truth, not opinion. We should question assumptions. We should insist upon justice and we should protest. Now is the time for protest. The present darkness and the coming dawn calls for you to speak outward about injustice, shining light and truth. And finally, now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to prepare. The thing we must receive from Jesus in this moment is that he took the time to prepare so that he could do the substantial work that God had called him to. Jesus prepared because he knew that reaction doesn't take preparation. But but responding with conviction and persistence always takes the kind of preparation that sometimes we neglect. I was talking to a friend this week who's encountered a ton of pressure to be responding more and in different ways than he has to all the events of injustice surrounding George Floyd's death in our city. And as he processed just the ridiculousness of people pushing him as a black man to perform something for them, what I said to him was, don't, don't, do not be pressured to perform in this moment. You are a person and you have the right to your own feelings, the right to time to process, the right to prepare because there is an incredibly significant work that God will call you into and it's okay if you need a minute to get ready for it. Looking at the life of Jesus, we see a model of leadership that knew limits and took time to prepare because it anticipated the significance of the work that was ahead. If the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into the good works of building God's kingdom here and of establishing justice, it is going to take some measure of preparation because Jesus, before he entered into his ministry, remember, lived a life of carpentry for years and years, immersing himself in the scriptures, connecting with the heavenly father, readying himself for all kinds of pressure that we couldn't even imagine as a leader of a movement and as the breaking in of God's kingdom as its king was there ministering. Jesus, the savior of the world, not only prepared for ministry, but he prepared during ministry. He's always pulling away. He's always, he's always not given to reaction, but he's trying to get direction from the Lord so that he can serve in the best way possible, advancing God's will. Jesus, the Savior of the world, prepared for the cross. The most significant work in the garden was a moment of preparation. His final, e- final evening on earth. Not healing. Not preaching not doing spiritual exorcisms, but weeping, blood, sweats, tears, preparing for the work ahead. Thank God he did. The physical damage to our city is tragic, but in every respect, it is like a mere sliver in the thumb compared to the mounting, rebuilding work that is in front of us. 
It is in every way like a minor cut compared to the cancer with which we must now fight, church. There is a legislative, a communal, an organizational, an emotional, and a spiritual rebuilding ahead of us that we cannot underestimate. Relief is a sprint and about sweating some workout, but rebuilding takes persistence and connection to God's Spirit. It's a marathon. Church, we must prepare ourselves. Emmanuel Fellowship has come into, a time, come into being for a time such as this. We are a unique church placed in a uniquely significant place, and God has prepared good works for you and for me. Are you ready for them? Jesus himself prepared ahead of time, will you? Some of you, God is calling to be mentors and investors and business leaders and fathers and mothers and counselors and pastors and church planters and creators and writers and advocators and organizers. Some of you, God is calling to do significant work in the coming days, weeks, and months. Will you prepare for it so that you can complete it? All of you, no matter what your vocation is, are called to live in a manner that exposes darkness and shines light. Jesus loves justice. And this, friends, is a gospel issue. It is the very outworking of our faith and salvation that we stand for justice in this day. There are a variety of resources available when it comes to information that you could take in. Three of them that have been helpful to me over the, over the recent years I want to hold up for you. The first is Dr. Carl Ellis's book, Free at Last. And if you find yourself wondering, how did we get to this place? Why is this moment such a big deal? If you would take the time to read or to listen to his work so that you might understand the gospel in the African-American experience, you would be better prepared. If you find yourself struggling over all of the talk about systems, all of the talk about organizations, all of the talk about privilege, I would commend to you, Divided by Faith, written by Michael Emerson and Christian Smith, sociologists doing research on the ways in which the division in the church in America contributes to the problem of race in America. It will peel back layers, open eyes for you to be able to see the problem for what it is. And if you're curious about how perhaps the church should go forward, let me commend to you Woke Church by Dr. Eric Mason. This book gives an incredible overview of the issues at play and a call, an urgent call for the church to rise up and to work for justice in this generation. If you're wondering, you've got kids, especially kids who are older than six, let me commend to you the gospel in color. It's written by the folks at Patrol. It's got an adult guide as well as a kid's copy for how to think about racial reconciliation from a biblical lens. 
Now we could talk about so many other resources like Latasha Morrison's Be the Bridge. We talk about um, Robin DiAngelo's um, uh, White Fragility. We, there's so many resources available to understand, but there is need for preparation. There's need for preparation so that we can bring the work God's called us to completion. Let me close with this. This is back to Ecclesiastes. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Yes, there is work to do. God has given us something to be busy with. He has given us something to do. And He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. The reality of a moment like this is it reveals both mystery that we can't fully comprehend what God is doing in this moment and eternity that something about these events makes us long for another world. That something about these events makes us say, this is not how things were designed to be. That something about the injustices within our society present and that have been, been for a long time make us go that eternity is what we were made for. There is a design other than the destruction that we see. May we, the church, rise up in prayer and protest and preparation such that we could go to work bringing relief to devastation and rebuilding according to God's design. Let's pray. Father, we cry no more. No more injustice. No more death for black men because of the suspicion of law enforcement. We pray for change, lasting systemic change. We pray against darkness in all its insidious forms, all of the evil groups trying to take advantage of a moment like this. We call, we call in Jesus' name for them to be gone from our city and our society. God, we cry, how long? How long must we wait? until you step in, until your power is known. And we say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And even as we cry those, please, we acknowledge that yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen.